I'd like for you to turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews, and I want to begin reading at verse 11. Concerning Him, we have much to say. If you have a, a Bible like mine, it has a little note there by Him, and it's, and it's a little the footnote, and it says, or this. Concerning Him slash this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, the ABCs. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. E. He is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Can you think of a more penetrating command than this? Ah, oh, grow up. You ever had anybody tell you that? Why don't you grow up and act your age? That's a stinging indictment. It, it, it does something to your ego to have somebody suggest that you're not acting your age, you need to grow up. It's, it, it just gives a slam dunk to your pride. And especially is it insulting if that is directed to you as an adult. It's bad enough when you say it to your kids, but when somebody says it to an adult, it is really a stinging rebuke. All oh, grow up. Nobody likes to have somebody suggest that he is childish. I'm the last of, uh, in, in, in birth of four children, the youngest of four children. And my mother was always introducing me as, you, you know, he, he's, he's our baby. Ooh, I'm telling you, there's nothing... It hurts worse than that. Yeah, he's our baby. And just, you know, just till I was 25 years old, I was, uh, you know, uh, he's our baby. Yeah. That, that's not what you really, you know, look forward to hearing. The suggestion that you may be old enough to handle certain things, but not, not, not mature enough to handle certain things. Now, before we get into this passage, which is really a warning in the middle of a discussion of the priesthood of Christ, I want to give you three analytical thoughts about growth. And you'll see them in your outline. This is what this is, an outline. The first is this, that growth is important to every person. Growth is important to everybody. I don't know whether you're at your house, you got those little marks on the door facing, you know, or not, but... A lot, of, you know, a, lot of, a lot of places have those where the kids have you know, measured their growth and it's so important to come to one you know, next year and they've grown. Or out in the garage, you know, if you don't want to mark up the doorpost in the house. Because growth is important. Nobody likes to you know, be, you know, stay stunted. Growth is important to college students and to those who are in, involved in an intellectual pursuit. I want to know more. And that's why we, you know, what lies on the other side of the mountain? I want to know that. There are things I don't know. 
And so we're always in pursuit of knowing more and being better and growing. Growth is important to every person. Secondly, growth is measured against our age. So that when you go to a physician, the first thing he's going to do is ask, how old is he? You bringing your kid to the physician? How old is he? How old is she? Assuming that at an age such and such, certain things can be expected. Now watch this. When you get to be a certain age, certain things can be expected because growth is measured with age. Third analytical principle is this. That growth within may not always match growth without. Now I know some people who are really small of stature who have tremendous wisdom and, and, and maturity in life. They're not big folks, but they're big inside. And I know some giants who are the biggest babies in the whole world. I mean, they just about suck their thumb. So that growth inside is not always measured by growth outside. Growth is important to every person. We measure growth in relation to age, and there's sometimes a differential, a difference between inside growth and outside growth, but this is a fundamental and profound truth that growth is essential to God's acceptance or approval. The security of God is a dynamic security and not static. And one thing we can learn from the first man with whom God had dealings in the Hebrew nation, Abraham was his name, that God's security is dynamic and not static. He is always wanting us to move out. And the amazing thing, if you study how God dealt with man, is this, that he does not give man anchors to hold on to as much as he gives challenges for us to move out. Now, God is not satisfied with people who do not grow, and God is not pleased with churches that do not grow. For in the basic, fundamental uh, heart of God and mind of God is that man is going to grow. Now, we're born into the family of God through the process of new birth, just as we are born into a physical family through the process of physical birth, and the moment that happens, we enter into or become a part of a process of growth. But you know what is the, is the truth? Spiritual maturity among Christian people is rare. As a matter of fact, spiritual growth among Christian people is a rare commodity. You just have a hard time finding Christians who are growing in relation to the age they've been Christians. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is writing to adults and he challenges them with this stinging rebuke. He said, you're still playing with nursery toys. You're still unable to communicate the deep truths of theology. You need to grow up. You are not growing. You need to grow up. It's a stinging rebuke. Now, look at verses 6 and 10 of chapter 5. It kind of gives us a basis of what he's about to say. Verse 6, just as he says also in another passage... Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 10, 
being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, verse 11, concerning him or this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Concerning what? Concerning Jesus, as we understand Jesus in light of Melchizedek's priesthood. He said, there are a lot of things you need to understand about Jesus that you could understand if I could tell you about this priesthood of Melchizedek after which he is uh, alike or type, but it's hard to explain. You're not able to understand it. You can't grasp it because it takes work and thought and concentration and you just aren't able to, to take that. Did you know there are a lot of things about Jesus that you and I could know or learn if we were mature enough to grasp it. Now, why is it that they are not able to understand what he wants to tell them? Well, he says, because you're dull of hearing. Now, you talk about dull sermons. I hope you don't talk about a whole lot, but <laughs> you, you, you want, you've heard of dull speakers. Let me tell you what, there's some dull hearers and dull listeners. He said, you have become dull of hearing. It means indolent and lazy. It means that you are no longer willing, you're so lazy, you're no longer willing to put out the effort to advance in your understanding of God beyond the ABCs. And the word in the Greek for dull is a combination, two Greek words, and it means, and, and they, are, they are these two words, no push. He said, you don't have... You're so lazy, you don't have the push that's necessary to get beyond the ABCs of the Christian faith. You are so indolent, you've never been able to get beyond that. Does that sound like anybody you know? Now he said, you're not always, you've not always been like this. He said, you have become dull of hearing, lazy and indifferent, you're not, you were not always like that. You have become like that. There was a time, now watch this, there was a time when the, they had given total concentration to the Word and they had given effort to advancing beyond the ABCs. There was a time when this Word was so important to them, they worked at growth. But I suppose what had happened is what has happened to many of us. This word has become so familiar that we're not making an effort to go beyond what we are now. Um, a few years ago, I was in Madras, Oregon. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been. It's right over Mount Hood out in the valley, and they raise peppermint there. Peppermint, little fields of peppermint. And one brisk fall morning, I stood in the middle of this peppermint patch, and I was talking to this guy, and I said, boy, I tell you what, I said, I have never seen anything so beautiful in all my life. He's kind of said, huh, you know? I said, man, you know, and I, I looked, right, and there was Mount Hood, which is snow-capped all the time. And, and it was just unbelievably beautiful. And, and he kind of looked around, and then it just kind of dawned on him what I was saying. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, he said, I, I guess we just get used to it here. And, and. You remember when you first became a Christian? You wanted to know everything you could know about God. 
You wanted to know everything you could know about the Bible and you just dug into it. I mean, you probably read it at least a chapter a day. I mean, you got into the Word and you were anxious to hear messages and you came to Sunday school and just kind of sat on the edge of your seat. I mean, it insulted you when all they talked about was the football game. I mean, you wanted to know something and so you were eager to learn and you were sensitive to the Word of God. What has happened to you and me? I mean, we go to church and we hear the sermon. I mean, you know, you know whoa, I wonder how long he's going to be today. I mean, folks just, you know, it doesn't bother me when they look at their watches. When they take them off and they beat them, you know, like a, like a stopped. You know, that, that's what. And, you know, and, and just drag ourselves to Sunday school occasionally and never into God's Word. What has happened to us, you see? That's what happens when immaturity is prolonged. You get dull of hearing. Now, why is it? question is, why is it that some people come into the Christian faith and they just take off like a rocket and they, they, they never slow down in their growth till they leave this earth? I mean, they just soar like a rocket. And then there are some who just kind of never get beyond the baby stage. Why is that so? Well, the Scripture says there's two reasons. Verses 12 and 13. He said, first of all, that we fail to grow up as we grow older. You see, growing older, watch this carefully, growing older has nothing to do with growing wiser. Growing older has nothing to do with growing wiser. I'm memorizing some verses of Scripture. Zona's giving me a big challenge. She's memorizing the whole Bible. And, uh, and she's kind of challenging. And I'm memorizing from Job, and I was doing a little memory work the other day, and Job said... Is not wisdom found among the aged? And God just spoke to me in that. You know what he's saying? He said, you, just because you have age, just because they are the aged, does not necessarily mean there, there, that, that there is wisdom there. You can find wisdom among the aged, but just because you have age doesn't mean you're wise. As a matter of fact, Job said, I thought advanced years should teach wisdom, but it is the spirit of man. In other words, just because you've been a Christian a long time does not mean you have wisdom with God and the things of God. Getting older does not mean that you get wiser. As a matter of fact, when you get older, you have to work at things harder, don't you? I mean, you have to work harder just to walk. <laughs> uh, you have to work harder to, to sleep. I mean, it's harder to sleep when you get older and it's harder to think when you get older. I hope you're listening now. I believe that the longer you live as a Christian, the harder you have to work just to stay on target. You know what you need to do and I need to do? We need to quit talking about how long we've been in the family of God. Who cares? We need to quit talking about how long we've been in the family of God. That's not the question. The question is, how much further along are you in the family of God than when you first became a Christian? That's the big question. It's illustrated by the principal, P-A-L principal, who gave a job to a man who had been, had six years of experience and he took it over a person who had 25 years of experience. And she went to the principal and said, how could you give him a job that I, and I've had 25 years of experience, he's had only six. The principal said, no, 
you've had one year of experience 25 times. Just because you've been a Christian for X number of years does not mean that you're getting any further down. Ask yourself this. How much more of God do I understand and know than when I was a primary Sunday school kid? That's a big question. The second reason he said that some just hang on to immaturity is that their poor habits prevent healthy development. Verse 12b and 13. They say, give me milk. Feed me. I want my bottle. Can you listen carefully? When was the last time you got into the Word of God to find some truth for your life? Is all of the Word of the truth of God you get what somebody tells you from a pulpit or somebody tells you in a Sunday school class? How long has it been since you've gotten into God's Word for some truth just on your own? Now, it's interesting, he said. Look at that verse 13. He said, For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. You need to understand what he means there. That word accustomed means literally does not put it to the test. Now, this is what he's saying. He said, if you, if you just take milk what somebody feeds you, if you just take what somebody tells you and you never get beyond that, you never put the word of righteousness to the test in your own life. I mean, you never try it for yourself. You never test it for yourself. You see, truth that stays in the head is, not, is, is worthless. Now, you can get principles concerning tithing, but have you ever put those principles to trial and see if it'll work? You can get promises of God from somebody else, but have you ever put those promises to the test? Have you ever gotten beyond just what somebody tells you and have taken the word of righteousness and tried it in your life? That's what Romans 12 means when he said, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that the will of God is good. And as long as you live on milk, as long as you never get beyond that, you will never put this word to trial. Let me challenge you to this. Don't just take it as truth from somebody else. Put it to the test and see if what God says is really true. Now, there are three marks of maturity. We'll get these and quit. Verse 14. The first mark of maturity is that the Christian... I mean, we're talking about Christian maturity. The first mark of Christian maturity is what he eats, his solid food. The right kind of food. It's not a formula that you shake up and you know, plug it in. Watch this. Listen carefully. Solid food is the kind you prepare for yourself. The kind you prepare for yourself. Somebody called me this week on the telephone. 
And he told me, he said, I've been in God's Word this week, and I want to share with you what God has told me out of His Word. And they began to share with me what God had said out of His Word to this individual and ministered to me. And when the conversation was over, I said, yeah, you know what's just happened is that you've been eating solid food, something you've prepared for yourself. The right kind, secondly, the right kind of activity. The mark of maturity is this, that I take the Word of God and I practice it. I practice it. I'm not just hearing it or reading it. I put it into practice. Now, let me, let me ask this. If you read in the Word of God that that we are not to worry, we're, cast, we're to cast all our cares on Him. If you're still worrying like you did 10 years ago, you're not putting Word in practice. If, you're, if God in His Word is dealing in your life concerning some sin in your life, some habit, and you still have that, the same as you had 10 years ago, you're not putting a Word into practice. Mature Christians, Christians who have reached maturity, are people who can discern good and evil. They're able to discern good and evil. Now, good there in the sense of nutritious and edifying as far as nourishment to the life and evil with regard to those things that are disruptive and destructive that are not edifying. Now, now the mature Christian is the person who is able to discern what is best for him as far as his Christian life and Christian growth is concerned. Do you need to grow up? Are you still like you were when you became, when you started to Sunday school 40 years ago, 25 years ago? If somebody came up to you and said, what kind of experiences have you, can you share with me that you've had, that you've grown in your knowledge of God and what God is like in the last years, to five years, could you give any? Do you need to grow up? Let's pray together. Father, we know that you would not have us to remain the same. That there's some of us who have embraced the Christian faith and never gotten beyond that. We've never really put into practice the truths of God. We take them, we listen to them. We're no different than we were when we started out. I pray, God, that you'll expose that to us, reveal that to us, and give us a desire to get beyond where we are, to begin a search and a quest that will enable us to reach maturity in the Christian life. Because I pray in Jesus' name. There are three invitations. The first invitation tonight is an invitation to, to begin the walk with Christ through faith in Jesus. The second invitation is to rededicate your life to Him. The third invitation is for you to join the church. And God has already spoken to you. What man urges you to do is of real no value. What God wants you to do is the important thing. So we invite you to come if God urges you and speaks to you and, and commands you in any of these areas while we stand to sing. We come.